Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. On today's show, Simon explains why he doesn't have a problem with Chelsea offering longer contracts to comply with FFP. We ask why Manchester United winning the League Cup under Eric Ten Hag would be seen as more of a springboard than when Jose Mourinho won it. And former World Cup winner Phil Vickery joins us to discuss the schism brewing in the world of rugby union, with the RFU reportedly facing a vote of no confidence. We have a lot to get through, I must admit. I did a kind of double take when I heard Duncan Ferguson for Forest Green Rovers. Um, but apparently it's happening. Interesting fit, isn't it? It's not two bedfellows that you'd put together, <laughs> no. Dale and Duncan. But then you could say that about myself and Neil Warnock at the time when people wrote headlines in the back of the newspaper saying a marriage made in hell. And it was my most enjoyable relationship because it was the one that had the most honesty and the most decency attached to it. Did you have confidence it would be? Yes, I did, absolutely. I knew that Neil had the ability... What did they say? The two two most combustible people in football in the same room. And it turned out to be everything but that, which would have disappointed a bunch of people. But I think ultimately, people's perception of of people, if they don't know them, is often very different than Mm. the reality of what they are. So whilst I'm, I'm curious about this appointment, because you've got Duncan Ferguson that I think is obviously someone of a certain calibre and certain outlook... Um, and a person that's played at the highest level with very little knowledge of being bottom of League One, um, and with all that goes with Duncan, the sort of brave heart outlook, and then you've got Del Vince, who spends a lot of his time hugging trees. So I'm trying to find out how that, <laughs> how, how, how that one, with all due respect, Del, um, um, I'm trying to work out how that would work. But listen, I've just got this image of, of Del Vince constantly saying to Duncan, "I'm so sorry, say yes, that again, Duncan." Yeah. <laughs> yes, please, Duncan. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Um, but I'm, I, you know, look. He, he, in, in fairness to Del he's made good appointments with Forest Green mm. and they've gone through the gears and he's built a football club that whilst not 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 travelling well at this moment in time on the whole yes. is a football club with a lot more going for it than going against it and the appointments that he's made he's been unfortunate with the fellow that left Rob Edwards that was taking them in the right direction then left them high and dry a little bit so he must have method to his madness if it's true yeah sure you've kind of gone full circle and deal haven't you um, no, I don't agree with the principles of him, of what he what he believes in. You're not I, a tree hugger. I'm not a tree hugger, and I do believe that funding eco-terrorism isn't the most ideal thing in the world. Uh-huh. Um, but I do also respect the fact that Guy's an incredibly intelligent businessman yeah. and has his principles, and he sticks by his principles. I tell you what, it, it might sound crazy, but Duncan Ferguson's your kind of guy. Duncan would work every hour God sends. Yeah. He, he, he is passionate, as we've seen 
my God, as a player, there are a few more passionate. And he'll give it his best shot. Yeah, I mean, I've got some very close friends of mine in Marbella that are big friends with Duncan Ferguson, and they go off the reservation every time I talk about him not getting the job at Everton because they're major advocates for him getting that job. Yeah. Um, but I get the impression that he's a man of substance. Whether I agree with the fact that he's got the football now to take someone in the right direction, that's all subjectivity, isn't it? Mm. But I get the impression that he's a solid guy. He is. You know, I've known him for years. You wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him. Yeah, no. Uh, that chat we had with super agent Kia Jarabshin yesterday mm. went viral, as as often these things do. Yeah. Um, a number of people were in touch with me in the afternoon, not least Kia, who said he enjoyed it. And he enjoyed his joust with you. Well, I think it's good to get your view out and his view out. Well, if you're going to say things you need to be challenged on, I'm not wrong, by the way. He does have a lot of influence on Fahid Mashiri and he can spin it any way he wants. I was slightly irritated with myself that I didn't ask him for a roll call of the financial accountancy of how much money he's actually made out of Everton. And also to question whether, in fact, he is the agent of people like Richarlison, because I'm not sure he is. No. But look, but what, what he is, is he's a very, very clever operator. He is. And, you know, and he hasn't gotten to where he is. Whether I like that particular species and the way they operate is a different discussion. But as far as he, him being in his field, he knows what he's doing. He knows species. The way, species. Species of agents. Indeed. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. You don't have a high opinion of them, do you? Not at all. No, no. And, and neither would you, Jim, if you had to deal with them. If it were you sat in a room with your money, watching these people operate, watching them create a deal for you, which is twice the price that you could get for yourself, and then telling you that you've worked for them, and then creating division and making profits out of it, you've seen my view, and it's not based because I, I like certain agents, I've worked with certain agents, I respect certain agents, but I don't respect them, I don't respect their profession, and I don't respect the players for not wanting to pay them, because it's the players that actually are the villains in this well, piece. Well, where I'm with you on that, Simon, is uh, it, it is perceived and on occasion it's correct that agents get money for doing next to nothing. Indeed. When you were at Palace, I know how you grafted to make yourself a very wealthy man. And you're right, it was your money. Indeed. And you don't want to see it being, being taken out the door by some character who's trying to get well, who's your very pants down a deal for his oh, player. And then popping up six months later right. and creating division between you and that player. And I used to watch yeah. people like David Gill when he was the chief executive or executive vice chairman at Manchester United. But when they put out the, the rosters of who spent the most money of agents, Man United were regularly spending the most money of agents. And I thought to myself, I wonder if your bonuses and your salaries indexed to how much you paid an agent should be quite so forthcoming about your payments on agents. Yeah. But Listen, they are in the business and there shouldn't be anything wrong with regulating and controlling them because they're the only part of the business that doesn't pay to be involved in it. Sure. Manchester United on course for Wembley. Of that, there's no doubt. I would doubt there's a Forest fan out there this morning who would say otherwise. Forest beaten 3-0 in the Carabao Cup semi-final first leg last night so they've got to do it all again and you can only think that United at Old Trafford will add to that scoreline. I, I said it at the top, Simon. Why is this trophy being seen as a better springboard for success for Ten Hag than it was for Mourinho five years ago? It is. It's different times. Ten Hag's in a different spot. Different isn't time, he? different times, different place, different uh, different situations surrounding Manchester United. Woodward was in charge then. They hadn't hit rock bottom in terms of relationships with people and their performances on the pitch. They hadn't had all the dysfunctionality that had really really cemented itself during Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign and also Ralph Raniak last year. Also, I don't think they've got... I don't think um, Mourinho was ever as indexed as this guy is going to be because I think Mourinho was kind of half-darling it in, living in a Lowry hotel, commuting back from London. Doesn't tell me that Mourinho's entirely motivated in the way that you'd want him to be. Well, he didn't bring about a culture reset in his time at United. Well, because the culture had, has. Because the culture hadn't got so bad that it needed to be reset. The culture at the time when Mourinho went in there was was, was dragging it at a three-year drag from when, when people were going, it's three years and Ferguson has gone and we've still not done very much we're there and thereabouts this is now the best part of nine years 
Okay, so the dynamic is completely different. Yeah. So with that in mind, you look at it and say, Ten Hag has caught a wave from two points of view. Manchester United were beginning to hit rock bottom. Now, we know that rock bottom looks like 1974 when they got relegated, right? Or whatever it was, 73 or 74. But this rock bottom version of the Premier League, Man United stinking the place out, fans in uproar, owners be, you know, being pillared from, from, from pillar to post, yeah. and players completely not reading the memo that you're playing for arguably the biggest club in the world. This guy's come in albeit I don't think he's handled the situation with Ronaldo, I think he abdicated responsibility from that and allowed Ronaldo to set himself on fire and get out of the door the way he wanted to. But in this instance, I just think if they win the League Cup, it won't be the blueprint for Man United being back at the top table definitively because they've got a long way to go to catch yeah. Manchester City yeah. um, and possibly even Arsenal. But it is the start of something. And oh, if guy walks so. through the door and wins yeah. a trophy mm. in his first season with Man United being as crap as they've been for the last two or three years... Mm. This is a blueprint. This is a, a beginning of a blueprint. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, throw your weight behind this or otherwise. UEFA set to impose a cap on lengthy contracts as they bid to, to, to close what's being viewed as an FFP loophole. I mean... It's, this has really come to the fore after the practice has been used by Chelsea yeah. under Todd Bowley. Uh, signing players and contracts of up to eight and a half years to spread the impact of transfer spending. UEFA now set to, hang on, no, no, no. We're going to enforce a five-year maximum for the length of time over which a player's transfer fee can be spread with a new policy being br- brought in before the next window in, in the summer. So is it a sensible move by UEFA or a restriction of trade? I think it's a restriction of trade. Really? I think the whole idea of valuing players on a straight line depreciation is not reflective of the transfer market in the first place and is fundamentally wrong anyway because ultimately players can increase and decrease in value depending upon their form. So when you just depreciate someone in a straight line, then I don't think it's right um, because effectively if you've got a player that you bought for 80 million quid and after two years he's valued on your balance sheet at 40 million quid but really he set the world on fire and he could be worth 80 million quid still, I think it, I think it artificially depreciates the balance sheet of a football club and disadvantages them. I don't necessarily, you know, what's, what's, what's getting around financial fair play? Oh, I know, getting sponsors that are indexed to your football club and part of your ownership model to inflate their deals to be able to give you more revenue. That's more like getting around financial fair play. Capitalising and being prepared to have the consequences as well, of course. People just looking at the upside. The consequence of signing a player for an eight-year deal is you add that liability for eight years of wages. So it isn't just a one-way transaction of, oh, let's see if we can get around financial fair play on transfer values. It also comes with a sting in its tail because you've got that person having to pay them £300,000 a week or £200,000 mm. a week for eight years. So it comes with a yin and a yang, and I don't understand why why FIFA would want to get involved, or UEFA in this instance, sorry, would want to get involved with telling people how they can capitalise. The transfer system is based upon people being put on someone's balance sheet over the contract term. If a football club wants to increase that contract term, who are UEFA to turn around and then say, actually... Now, because you remember when Mel Morris wanted to revalue players on a different basis? No, 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 no. Can't do that. It's a simple policy. He's got to be depreciated over the contract term. No, no, no. We don't like it now because it doesn't suit certain people that don't like the fact that people are spending a lot of money and are thinking about it commercially. So we'll change it. It makes no sense, Jim. I think it's a silly, silly change of rule. Make sense of this for me. Mudrick signed this this week by Chelsea or yeah. last week whenever it was he was at Anfield yeah. at the weekend so he joins Chelsea in an eight and a half year deal he does are UEFA right to raise an eyebrow to that no, well no because, because it's, not, it's, it's got to be to get round FFP because it's no it, well listen 
I've just given you the example it's of spreading how, the fee. Well, of course it is, but the economics of also spreading the liability of a player's salary over a longer period of time also hits your implications of financial fair play because you're going to have that player on a, on your balance sheet in four years' time with no capital value and and a big wage bill. So it cuts you another way. So why are they doing it? Well, well, hopefully we'll get a chance to I, I, I ask suspect, Todd Bully this ourselves. Inf- why are they doing it? Well, I suspect influential clubs don't like the dynamic of Todd Bowley coming in and trying to think creatively about what are the big assets. What's the big cost in football? The big cost in football is transfer fees and wages. OK, how do I make sense of these? How do I make sense of it? Why should I depreciate? If I'm prepared to have this player for eight years on £25 million a year wages or whatever he's on, why should I have to not be able to capitalise his value over eight years? Why shouldn't I be able to have him? If, if the, if the right, ba- why eight years? Seven, six, why five? Why have UEFA suddenly decided, oh, we, we know what, we'll have you for five. What? Anyway, when they announced it last week, and, and we said eight and a half year deal, you saw the messages, eight and a half year deal? What's well, the thinking in that? So well, what's the well, thinking the other thi- than the clear thinking, it's a loophole? Well, the clear thinking on that is if you recruit properly, Good players stay at clubs for a long time as if you're an ambitious football club. John Terry spent his entire career at Chelsea. So with that in mind, I know he's a product of the academy, but notwithstanding it, if you buy good players in the right way with the right methodology and put the right managers in, they should stand the test of time. So, so why I mean, should it you... Gets, it gets a, you know more than I do. So it gets around behind... restrictions. It allows Chelsea to in spend part, a lot more money than they might be able to And then done. it allows Chelsea to have it up their backside somewhere along the line four years later when they were just paying wages uh, with a player that's massively depreciated. So it cuts both ways. I mean, how long is Mudrick going to be at Chelsea? Well, it also puts Chelsea in control of a situation. If this player, after three years, is killing it, right? then Madrid come along and go, uh, uh, we fancy him, he's got a lead in his contract. They don't have that situation anymore. Chelsea are now in control of that player's registration for eight years. Why would the player sign an eight-year contract? Think about the player. The player. So why aren't the PFA popped up? Why aren't they saying, because they've got lots to say for themselves about nothing, why aren't they turning around and saying, we think this is great, this is giving top professional security of contract? Why aren't they popping up with their two penneth? Because that's the other side of the argument. I don't believe this is right. Would you? You don't believe it's right? No, I believe it's absolutely right. You should put a player on a contract and they should depreciate over the contract you're prepared to give them. The rules are... The so rules you, you would do what Bully's doing? Damn straight I would if I was in a situation where I was buying players that were good enough to put on eight-year contracts. So what do you make of this then? Speaking about uh, transition periods on Michael Calvin's Football People podcast, Jurgen Klopp had a real swipe at Chelsea. There are obviously plenty of ways, different ways you can do it, but it's all based on the situation you are in, and um, especially with the things happening around Chelsea with new ownership, obviously. <laughs> Nobody knows exactly now how they do it, how they can spend that much money, stuff like this, other teams. So nobody likes me talking about that because it's, uh, it's, it's okay you talk about it, but a transition needs time, usually, if you don't have endless money. So otherwise you can change overnight pretty much and you bring in 10 players and other 10. And, and if you wouldn't, last week I got a question about if I'm too loyal. <laughs> I really think it's a, that's a, I'm not too loyal, but questioning loyalty in general is a sign of our time, uh, the time we are living in as well. So which I really don't like too much. What a lot of old contradictory. If you turn around to a manager and said, I'm going to give you 10 players now, the first thing the media will say is, oh, too many players, can't build a team overnight, they've got to gel together. Now he's saying, oh, I, I could change the team overnight by bringing in 10 players. Make your minds up, riddle me this, riddle me that. Whatever you haven't got is the reasons why you complain about something else. There is nothing, the rules allow Chelsea, the, 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 re, the regulations are very simple. You can depreciate a player over his contract length. If you want to sign a player for eight years, why would they change the rules? What, because other people don't like it? Is that how it works then? Other people don't like the rules because they think that someone's gaming the system. But is it not quite simple? It allows people, in this case, Bully at Chelsea, but you're not to listening. spend a lot of money 
at once. But you're not listening because it allows people to have bigger liabilities further down the line. It'll catch up with Chelsea at some point. But it's a risk they're willing to take. Because well, Chelsea are going to take a, a player on a contract and commit themselves to, let's say this kid's on 200 grand a week, they're going to commit themselves to 80 million pounds of wages when in previous incarnations they'd only commit themselves to 40. If he turns out to be a stinker, like the fellow at Arsenal, Pepe, right, what are you going to do then? You've now got him for eight years wrapped around you. Would that be as clever? So if Chelsea are prepared to run their business that way, why change the rules? Because a few people think, hang on a second, they're gaming the system. Mm. No, they're following the rules. And they're following it based upon contract depreciation. And I think it's an absolute outrage. This industry is almost already immature enough about how it values players. You once said to Mel Morris in this studio, what you're doing is cute. Is this cute? It's cute because Mel was bending the rules. Is this cute? Um, is it cute? No, it's thinking its way... Th- it's, it's cute. It, no, you almost no, agree no, no, with no. me. It's thinking its way through the conundrum of spending... First and foremost, the transfer market is ridiculous. If we've got to pay these outrageous amounts of monies for these little Herberts to kick a ball around at £100 million like Jack Grealish, right? then then you shouldn't have to depreciate them that way. God, but it is. Was, I'm right. It was- they're not worth to be brought quid. into it at some stage, wasn't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, they're not oh worth God. 100 million quid. So if we've got to pay these inflated transfer market prices to be able to sustain football, then surely to God these football clubs should be able to capitalise these players on whatever damn contract they feel like putting them on. See, I knew you'd go with the clubs. I knew you'd go with the in people this at the instance, top no, of the clubs. No, I, I don't like... Listen, I don't like 450 million quid being spent in two transfer markets by one football club. I well, think that's what we're getting. That's what we're asking. Right? But the fact of the matter is, the argument is, is that Chelsea are prepared to take that business model in the same way that... Manchester City, Newcastle, PSG, and people have done before, and try and fold it down into an economic model that complies with the rules. Mm. They're not trying to get sponsorship from their own in-house sponsors and inflate it like some people have done. Who would that be? I don't know. Maybe we can have a think about that in the break. You can never resist having a swipe at a player kind of like Nicholas Pepe got it there. But he was useless. Jack got it there. I mean, he's not useless, but, you know. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. After their attempt to make rugby safer, the RFU, Simon, seem about to be spectacularly brought down to the ground themselves. The RFU board, uh, including its chief executive, Bill Sweeney, set to face a vote of no confidence. (coughs) 
208 rugby clubs have joined forces in a revolt calling for a special general meeting. Now, this was all triggered by the RFU voting to outlaw tackles above the waist in community rugby from July. So they've done it already. Now the rugby clubs are saying, hang on a minute, you should have spoken to us about this. Um, For this, we're joined no less by an England World Cup winner. England 2003 World Cup winner, Phil Vickery is with us. Phil, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Jim. How are you? Very good, thank you, mate. What is going on? Because the RFU suddenly really up against it, are they not? Well, no, don't even get me started on it all. But but I think ultimately, that, you know, we have issues within our game, whether we're talking about head injuries, looking after girls and boys at all levels of rugby that have played and I think us as a game have always been pretty proactive and sometimes to our own detriment because we talk about things which perhaps other sports want to uh, brush under the carpet the thing which shocked me I think ultimately we have to look at trying to make our game safer and I think there are going to have to be difficult decisions made which won't be popular with with lots of people uh, about how we can do that so do you support this Phil? Outlawing well, tackles thing, above the waist. I think the thing which shocked me more than anything about this was for it to come out like it did, having had no consultation with anybody in our game, all the volunteers, coaches up and down the country who give time, effort. Because remember, Jim, our game is an amateur sport. It's only the, the top echelon which you're professional. I, I find shocking, and I think there's some some people in power and who make these decisions are totally and utterly just out of order and ultimately our game my game which i dearly love is not owned by anybody it's it's a game of the girls and boys and people who play the sport and ultimately and i say this to people all the time whether i'm talking about food whether i'm talking about well-being whether i'm talking about whatever it is we are influencers we can make a difference and i sincerely hope that the game of rugby the girls and boys who actually put the time and effort in to make our game work, stand up because I believe the decision which has been made, although perhaps it's on the road to making our game safer, I just think it's totally out of order. And I think there are people who should hold their heads in shame about it. I really do. Just before Simon comes in, Phil, if the law change was put to a vote right now, would you give it the thumbs up? Uh, no, I wouldn't. No, not in its current format. Not not in the way that it's been um, come out. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't support it at all because, because of this lack of I, consultation. Well, well, I can, Jim. I can only tell. Well, the lack of consultation for one. I can only tell you as an ex-player, and the game has changed. You know, I've been retired for eleven years now. Of course, the game has changed. Just saying that. Tackling below the waist is 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 better than running into someone who's running at you and getting a knee in the side of the head and understanding it's the whole coaching, it's the understanding of the tackle law, it's a progression. It's not going to be any safer. And I think I've heard, I've sat on the sidelines and, and sort of listened because rugby will always be a dangerous sport. If you could picture yourself, if you could picture yourself, so this is the ironic thing about it for me, this is how stupid I am, right? <laughs> I can picture now seeing John Olomi running at me, and I'm thinking, right, where's the safest place to hit this guy? <laughs> right. It's not, it wasn't, and believe me, it wasn't on his legs and his thighs and his quadriceps. It was to go high. If you went high, he brushed you off like you were a little fly and you just got made to look silly. So actually, the safest place to hit someone is more around the midriff and around the, 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 the sternum area, not not the knees and the hips and the legs. Right. So, and that's only, and that's only me talking as an ex player. Oh, 
I don't think there's any safe place to attempt to bring down John Aluma when he was flying at you. Uh, Simon, what's your take on this? Because Phil's making the point, look, it's okay, it's one thing deciding this, but you've got to have consultation. Well, I was going to ask Phil, I mean, uh, to, to bring about a, a potential vote of no confidence, I don't know whether that's media hype on hyperbole or it's what's really going to happen. Is this a straw that's broken a camel's back with the incumbent people inside the RFU? Or is it simply that people feel so strongly about this individual issue? And, and, and second part of the question, Phil, is... Why would we get to a point where there's such a massive di- disconnect between the CEO of the RFU and the game itself? Simon, we could spend a day on this. And I don't think any of us would get to the bottom of those those questions. I, I think the the, the, fundam- the the issue in the beginning is it's bringing up probably a wider question of is our game fit and proper mm. the way that it is and the way that it's being run? I probably think it's not, and that's not me to say. Not it's not me sitting here saying. I think the the, the RFU the the it it's not fit for purpose. But I think probably we're not far away from that. And I think the decisions which have been made by because we're talking about our professional game board, we're talking about commercials, we're talking about commercial activity and looking after and protecting our game. We've got the RFU council. The RFU council get an awful lot of stick, and and for some people on that council, some of it's deserved. But also there are lots of girls and boys on that council who are incredible people who do extraordinary work trying to protect the game of rugby as we know it and the game of rugby, which I fell in love with. But how do we reach a point, Phil? How do we reach a point where a paid executive on a board that represents the well-being of rugby is at odds with those that he represents? Well, I I think... Ultimately, I'd ask the question: How did that person get on to in the that first place to, to be able to to make those decisions? And I'm very lucky in my little tiny inky world of, of, of business and things I'm involved in. I sit as, as non-exec. The one thing I found out in the three years which I sat on or if you cancel was unless you're prepared to go along and uh, go along with the establishment, and if you don't challenge and i would strongly suggest that there are too many people within that organization who don't challenge who who are just there to reach the echelons to to be known to be part of something which is an incredibly brilliant and awesome institution but at the same time sounds like the english talking, fa with football same element we're, there we're talking we're talking about the good of our game now there will always be conflict if we if so we can sit and talk and challenge each other about certain things i've got so much respect for for you I've got so much respect for you we don't have to agree but we have to do what's right mm. now what's right and when it comes to commercials and when it comes to rugby and particularly sport which is such an emotional sport and everyone's got such different roles to play in it and it, and it crosses over such a broad spectrum you know my brother's on the phone to me who coaches the Bude Colts team with, with my brother-in-law and they're saying we don't know what to do and that's yeah. only just a tiny little caption now that's not fair that's yeah. the, that's the fundamental foundation stone so this is what frustrates me because when we try and sell you know the sponsors and the people who support our game want our community game grassroots honor integrity pride passion sense of belonging our community a sports place people go and meet make friendships lifelong friendships and i was part of a brilliant campaign in the autumn series from the rfu about play together stay together where it's encouraging girls and boys 
perhaps of older generations just to get back playing. Even if you don't but is it nothing more line. than just an overreach on the RFU? The optics of sport right now, specifically rugby, and you say that rugby's been proactive about its positioning, dealing with some of the controversial issues that clearly football has not. But the landscape now with class actions being built up by ex-players talking about the injuries they suffered, the head injuries, do you not think this is merely just an overreach to be able to negate the optics that people suggest that sports like rugby don't deal with the challenges that they've got coming around issues of health is it not just simply an overreach on their part an overreaction an overzealous approach to fixing a problem that clearly does exist in sports where contact is very prevalent i was i was trying to think of of a way that i could explain it to you and in my simple ex-farmer terms and being a front row forward (laughs) not the most most well-educated person in the world what it says to me and what it looks like and what it smells of and the things which i've heard said about it yeah all it says to me is there's someone, an organisation, sat there not knowing what to do, and we've got a gun pointed at our head. Mm. We we need to do something. What that something is, That's let's just point. go. Let's let's go. Let's go for the biggest, loudest, only way that we can really do anything. Because uh, and, I, and I, I read it again this morning. This kind of sums up what makes me so just disappointed. So a couple of li- like little quotes about council members. We accept the RFU's decision should have been set out in more pre- predominantly and clearly with rationale. To stress the test, should stress test or propose a law. We should have gone out to our clubs and our members to, and, and, and and conferred in them and, and looked and asked coaches and past players actually what 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 is the future and and ultimately it's about progression and it's about saying yes we need to make our games safer but just coming out i think i think it's the easiest simplest way out of a bloody dark hole that i've ever seen and i just think it's it's just dreadful i just I really well, do. I, th- I think to be quite honest phil the way i see it is that if the rfu don't change their tune here they're looking at anarchy phil we'll leave it at that phil vicky thank you so much when england world cup winner simon is saying that the rfu is as good as not fit for purpose. Yeah, there is a problem here. Well, I mean, again, I'd like him to to, uh, to sort of extrapolate that up and say why. I think it's the commercials around the game. It's the whole challenges that they've got. But the bottom line is, is that is that they didn't probably want to go to the clubs because they knew that the clubs would kill it in the cradle. Your one hundred percent essential download, outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.